0: The Lord be with you, and also with you, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. The crowds heard of this and followed him on foot from their towns. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, And he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples approached him and said, This is a deserted place, and it is already late. Dismiss the crowd so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, There is no need for them to go away. Give them some food yourselves. But they said to him, Five loaves and two fish are all we have here. Then he said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He said the blessing, broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied and they picked up the fragments left over, 12 wicker baskets full. Those who ate were about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Do you think he was sad when he heard the news? That John the Baptist had died? John, who, who from the womb was dancing for joy when he was within his mother Elizabeth, when, when Mary, who within her womb, had Jesus, when they had that great encounter. John, who who had left the, the following of his father, who was a priest in the temple, and went out into the desert to proclaim the word of the Lord, to prepare the path for Jesus. John, who, who said, Behold the Lamb of God, as Jesus came and approached him. John, who, when he was in prison, sent his disciples out to Jesus to say, are you the one that I've done all this for or should I wait for another? And Jesus says, go and tell John what you see and hear. John, the cousin of Jesus. I would imagine he was sad. Perhaps much like when his friend Lazarus dies and likewise he weeps at the death of one he loved. And so Jesus, we hear, goes to a deserted place to pray, to get away from all the the noise, all the busyness, and spend time in prayer with his Father, and the people chase after him. And the ministry continues, healing the sick and, I'm sure, other signs and wonders, but I imagine with with a heavy heart. It's not like Jesus was some robot that just continued cold and, and calculated with no, no compassion, just, just matter of fact. But he still then sees the crowds that need him and he does have compassion or pity upon them. The, the word Pastor Monkey's talked about before, splachna, this, this deep gut-churning feeling of, of care that you love and you care so deeply that you can't help but do something about it. You have to act. You're compelled to, as he was. And it was these acts of healing that go forth with his heavy heart that leads to an even greater miracle because night quickly approaches. And the disciples say, Lord, send these people out. We, we don't have enough food. Let them go to the villages to, to eat themselves. And Jesus looks at them and says, well, you yourselves, you should feed them. He said, there's no way. We, we can't do that. It's not, it's not possible And Jesus says, well, what do you have? We got five loaves and two fish. What are we going to do with that? And Jesus says, bring them here. I love it. Bring them here. And he he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he gives it to his disciples. And, And it's pretty easy to hear the Eucharistic overtones there when he blessed and broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, but here we just have a simple occurrence of Of a blessing. In fact, it's not uncommon, like we today bless our food, to have a prayer over the food, and that's what Jesus is doing. And what strikes me in light of everything that's happening, in light of hearing about the death of his own cousin and the one who prepared his way, he had enough compassion and care to to care for their simple need to eat. Not some high spiritual need in that moment, just a simple bodily need in that moment to eat. And he entrusts that word to his disciples, to the twelve. I wonder, I wonder what that was like. I mean, if you think about five loaves of bread and two fish, as you start to split that up, there's not much to give to his disciples to begin with. And, and I can only imagine they looked at this little pittance that they had with them and they thought, well, what am I supposed to do with that? I wonder if, if as they were going into the crowd to feed the crowds, if they realized it, it kept filling back up. I wonder if they realized that as they gave more, there always appeared to be an ever growing source of food. I, I, 5,000 plus people could have easily been over 10,000 because they're not counting the women and the children. I could almost imagine that this is not like a five-minute distribution, right? This is going to take a while, and they're walking around the grass. And so I can only imagine they get a little hungry. Like, do they just take little morsels and like snack on the way? Like, these are the things I want. Like, one morsel for me, one for you. Like, you can't do that in COVID world, but back then you could, right? Sharing of the food. And What was it like for them? What was it like the next day as they recalled what had just happened? Did did they remember? Did they think it was all a dream? Did they think, oh, I must have just imagined it? I mean, how did they remember that event? What about the crowds? Did did they have eyes to recognize what was even going on? Or were they just, they didn't maybe see the five loaves and the two fish to begin with and they're just like, oh, food, that's wonderful, Great. Or did they recognize that this was a miracle going on? And if so, what did they think the next few days? What did they think five years later? Did they look at that event and think, ah, it must have have happened differently. It couldn't really happen that way. It all seems a little too much. This God who, who cares about our daily needs, but our eternal needs at the same time, and he cares about those needs for us even today. What I love about the story is while it's such a great miracle, it's kind of a simple one. It's just food. It's just bread. But his hand is in it all as he cares for us, his children. Over the years of Trinity, I've I've been part of some crazy things. And I often look back and I wonder, did it really happen that way? Could it really have happened that way? I remember when we were uh, rehearsing for my installation service. It was a Thursday night and choirs and handbells and all this stuff and someone comes running in and they're yelling, fire, fire! That's a way to get someone's attention. The bushes out front that were around the flagpole at the time were on fire. It was the first time in my life I ever got to use a fire extinguisher. It was kind of cool. It it had, as I was coming into ministry, it, it had a bit of a Moses vibe going on, Right? Of course, these bushes were consumed. They did die a quick death. But it was kind of this powerful event, and you think, did it really happen that way? It was about a couple months later. We had just moved into our house the night before, and I was going to go into the hospital that morning. I had someone in the hospital. I was going to do a communion visit, and it was right across the street, but I forgot my communion set. So I had to hike all the way up here to get my communion set. And I remember when I came here, and I came to the front door, Sue Martin was there. And she uh, looked a little panicky. She had her phone in hand and she just started waving me over. And I went over to her trying to figure out what was going on. And as she was ushering me somewhere, talking on the phone, I could tell she was on the phone with 911. And uh, a good friend of mine, Herb, had had an accident. And so I went by his side. It was just Sue and I. And I prayed for him and prayed with him as the paramedics were coming to get get him safely to the hospital. And wasn't sure if he was going to make it. And I just prayed with him. I didn't know what else to do. And I went to the hospital with him that day. And I watched him recover slowly but surely over the next few months in hospitals and rehab. And I remember one day he said, he said, Pastor Davis, you know what saved me? I said, I have no idea, Herb. He goes, it was the Eucharist. Thank you for bringing it. It gave me strength to, to come back. And, and he's now living well with his family. And, and God has blessed him with life. And all, be, all because I forgot my communion set, that God allowed me to be there for him in that moment and pray with him. I remember my first youth gathering and the leaders, in their genuine wisdom, TP'd my hotel room. No hard feelings. It took them like an hour to get me up there to even recognize it. They were trying to, like, surprise me, but... And and for those of you in the youth group, all I have to say is rumble strips, and you all know what I mean. There's another story for another day. There was the time where there was 29 of us trying to get back from New Orleans from the National Youth Gathering, and Southwest Airlines decided to have their entire airline company shut down for a day or two, and we got trapped. Uh, actually, for a bit in Dallas, and we're trying to get 29 of us home, two of us to Baltimore, and the rest of us back to Elkhart, Indiana and we slept overnight in airports, and I had youth leaders who were, who were for hours waiting in line, who were trying to entertain the kids, who were staying up and doing whatever it took to help make this experience awesome, but also to help get your, your sons and daughters safely back home. Youth leaders who were, who were buying food for kids because kid kids had run out of money because we were already supposed to be home, and giving out of their own pockets just because they loved the kids, the, these leaders who were so completely and utterly selfless, and God gave them an opportunity to show that to these kids and be an example to these kids. I remember one May morning waking up and almost hitting a deer on the way to church and preaching Pentecost, the birthday of the church that morning. And a few hours later, we had our consecration here, the birthday of our church. And a few hours later, my dear wife gave birth to Eleonora, the birthday of our child. There was a lot of new life that day. It was very exciting. And it all seems so surreal that you wonder, did it really happen that way? Because you can see God's hand in all of it. And it's the memories, the joys and the sadnesses that you yourselves have shared with me in the past weeks and months of the impact I've had in your life and that you've had in my life that I'm not even always aware of. Memories that for myself have maybe even faded, but you see the Lord's hand in it all. Because at the end of the day, Christ is in the center. He's in the center of all we do and all we are. And that centers ultimately around the Eucharist because it's about food Christ fed us over these eight years in such basic and necessary ways, no matter the highs and lows of life, he always continues to feed us. And so we come to a, a time like this with a bit of a sad joy. There's a, a dear saint who's now with the Lord, Ann Preby, who uh, welcomed my family and so powerfully when we first got here. She taught me how to rest in the Lord because she was always full of joy. She had such a tragic life. Tragedy struck her time and again, and she always found joy in the Lord. I look forward to seeing her again in the company of heaven. And I think on my time with Pastor Milky and Pastor Schalhorn. Who uh, taught me how to pray and opened my eyes to the depths of God's love in a way I never knew. You go through seminary, you think you know something, you know nothing. You know nothing. Just like when you get married, you think you know what love is, you have no clue. And growing it. And my time with with Pastor Ted and uh, Pastor Dan Rep and the blessing that we. Though, though time, especially with Dan Rep, was so short, the blessing of time we had with him, too, as a family of faith. And I think of my own wife and children who have made countless sacrifices, you have no idea, for the sake of the ministry, sharing me with you all because, like, I love you, now they love you so deeply. They are truly an icon of Christ, a light of Christ. And I even speak to you, the people of Trinity, with a sad joy today because without a flock, a shepherd doesn't have much use, does he? And you've been an unbelievable flock. A great, a great incredible blessing to me and my, my family and my life. So there's a sadness, there's a, there's a grief, but... Ministry continues grace and mercy continues to flow from the side of Jesus, and He continues to feed us i 'm excited i 'm going to be honest i 'm going to miss you' all, but i 'm excited because there's a new flock waiting for me, and i 'm excited to get running and going there and seeing what the lord's going to do by his good gracious graces. But I was also thinking a lot this week and, and praying a lot this week because I know God's already preparing a new shepherd for you. And that's exciting too. And it's okay to be excited about these things. It's okay to be excited about what the Lord has next for us, even in the midst of our tears. I I think one day we're going to look back. We're going to look back at a time, this time we live in right now, and we're going to wonder, did it really happen that way? I mean, 2020 is wacky. Like this whole year, let's just be honest, we can laugh about it because it's so bad. And we're going to look back, did it really happen that way? With the things going on globally, but even personally and even within our our family of faith here, did it really? And perhaps the stories over the years will become a little embellished, they have a habit of doing that, but we'll still tell them. And we're going to still show, as we tell them, these two truths. First of all, that God's hand is it all. Last week in Romans, we read that God works all things for good for those who love him. And it's true, even in the tragedy and even in the sadness, even in the things we didn't want to happen, he works it for his good. And today we heard that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Why? Because God's hand is in it. He has his hand upon each and every one of you. And the second truth we're going to see as we tell these stories is that God feeds us. I mean, that's what he's doing. That's what he's up to. And that work of his, of feeding us, his his children, will never end. That's what I love. There are things we talk about in faith, like forgiveness, that will one day end. There will be a day you no longer have to be forgiven. Because you're going to be in the host of heaven, perfected in Christ. But what I love is he never stops feeding us. Because what is heaven described as? An eternal banquet. So as he feeds you today, he's going to feed you forever. His work will never end in that, in that sense. And that's beautiful. And so he feeds us our daily bread. It's as simple as that. Today, tomorrow, years to come and Forever. And I'm excited to see where the Lord leads you, and I know the Lord in his wacky ways will have our paths cross again in different ways. And at the very last, he will join us all together, where we're going to do what Lutherans are really good at, eating food. Like, it's like a holy potluck, forever. Maybe a little bit of the beer and chili brew off, cook off in there too, that would be pretty, pretty fantastic, we'll see. But we'll be in his presence forever, brothers and sisters. And that brings us joy. Perhaps a bit of sadness. But ultimately joy. Because we, like Jesus, have hope that he was going to see John again. He knew that. He knew he was going to see Lazarus again. And we will all see each other again in the arms of Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.